0: Good morning everybody. Good morning everybody. All right, we need to all play today. My name is Pastor Derek and uh, it's great to have you uh, with us, worshiping with us. Have you enjoyed so far? I'm so blessed by our, uh, by our worship team and our dream team that serves us so well each and every week. Um, I just want to uh, make a couple of quick plugs, a couple of quick announcements from me to you. Uh, really, kind of excited to to talk to you guys. Um, number one, I uh, for those of you who are, you know, new to Connect, uh, you just kind of want to catch up that you haven't been here in a little bit, a little while. I just want to explain what these things are all about. All right, we are not having a cheerleading competition here after church, so uh, don't be alarmed. Uh, go Connect. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, So it's not that, all right? This is a part of uh, kind of a vision of our church, uh, you know, really that God gave me for kind of a new chapter in Connects History, that we're going to, uh, in the very near future, connect the dots as uh, each dot kind of represents a destination on this journey. And by the way, this journey has been a spiritual journey for us. We just completed 21 days of prayer and uh, kind of celebrated last Sunday the culmination of that 21-day period and uh, had a great weekend service last week. And basically what we are doing is we're kind of making sure that we can fulfill the full potential of this location Our Connect Ashland location, and we're going to be renovating this facility. We've already begun some of those renovations. I'm actually standing on one of the modifications we made, and there are things that are, if you've been downstairs into Kids World, you can see some of the changes that have happened, and there's just a a few more steps here to really kind of complete uh, this facility, to be able to maximize it to be able to take people on a spiritual journey and successfully kind of move them from kind of not just the street to the seat, but actually move them from a place where uh, they're just kind of in this Public space, but they 're moving to kind of a private space where they move from just kind of acceptance level to transformation level and that's a that's a journey we want to take people on and then whatever happens you know kind of here we believe God wants to multiply that or replicate that in other locations so the first dot is to renovate here home base and the second dot is to actually launch a new campus at another location and so we 're really excited about that if that's new information to you um, There you go. Uh, For those of you who've heard this before, it's just kind of a review. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, we have some information related to Connect the Dots. And we're not going to pass it out because I don't want you to feel kind of pressured by this. But if you are interested, these little folders are down in Guest Central. If you'd like to know kind of what's been going on, you can talk to one of our Connect the Dots team or any one of our Dream Team. They can kind of catch you up. If you'd like to participate in the vision by contributing to that, the information's in here on how to do that. We took a Significant cash offering last week. We don't pass a plate or take a formal offering during the service, um, but we did prepare for this, and occasionally we do this. Really, usually only once a year. Uh, we took a significant cash offering last week. I'm not going to tell you what it is today. Uh, I'm going to tell you next week, and here's why. Uh, so I'll just get that out of the gate. It was like, come on, come on. Um, there's just some. There's just some more information. Some more um, uh, contributions that are coming in. So I want to just have kind of a, an accurate accounting. Uh, number one. Number two, um, next week, what we do annually is present our missions giving or our, our giving for the year publicly. So I like to tell people, um, as a church, number one, where kind of our missions dollars went and what happened. What was the ROI? What was the return on investment? And how will it affect my ERA, my eternal retirement account? Can I have any man out there if you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so basically, and you won't see this in many churches, and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying it as a fact. Uh, We tithe as a church, so what I do and what I preach and teach that you should do and what Jesus said we should do, Matthew 23, 23, I, I'm saying we do it as a church too. And we believe God has put favor on our church because as a church, we live on 90% of our budget and we, and we, and we surrender or we give back to God 10%. Actually, more than that, probably around 12 to 12, I'm gonna be real, real, show you how much, 12.7% of our budget is projected to be given this year in 2013. And so I'm gonna show you what happened with that. And so we're gonna have video footage from some of our major missions partners and some data to be able to present to you next week so you can see what happened when people who faithfully gave tithes and offerings, what we did last year. Then I'm going to bundle that with what we've we've just brought in, which I just want to say was significant uh, last week and what um, contributions um, uh, planned giving and what uh, commitments were made over the next two years was significant. So I'm very proud of our church. Uh, amazing church. You guys are the best church to pastor on the planet and I'm so proud of you. So I can't wait to show you that. But what I want to do is just point out kind of a contrast. Look what happened last year with our tithes and offerings. But can you imagine what's going to happen this year with our sacrificial giving, which is above that? Amen. And I just want to present that at the same time. So can you hang on another week with me? Okay. No, oh, nobody can do that. But anyway, I like to have a yes or an amen out there. So that's what's going to happen. And then I also wanted to bring one more announcement before I present our special guest this morning. Uh, I've been waiting for this for a while. I made a faith commitment. Uh, there's a, one of our missions partners is One Hope. Everybody familiar with One Hope? Anybody out there? Okay, these are one of our missions partners. Their mission is to get every child on the planet the Word of God and they have uh, 98 million kids they've given the Word of God to on, on, on the earth in their ministry, 40-year ministry. Um, they just partnered with Uversion, which you guys, many of you, how many use YouVersion in services to look up your worship guide? Some of you already have it up and ready to go and take notes and follow along. Um, Uversion and One Hope have partnered together, and what they've discovered is that kids from the ages of 6 to 12 will not Read You Version. They won't read the text. They won't read the scriptures. But they will watch them. They will watch these meta narratives, basically. And so One Hope created these, uh, initially 10 meta narratives, these stories, these video stories, and eventually they're going to do 40, which will take a, stu- a student or a young person ages 6 to 12 throughout the entire Bible in 40 stories. There are 250 million kids worldwide who have access, regardless of where they're from, to the internet. And so they may not have food on the table, but they probably have an iPhone somewhere nearby. And so basically what we did was we made a faith commitment to buy one of those 40 stories. Initially, there were 10. We were given the opportunity to buy one of the first 10 stories. The Bible Kids Free Bible app launches on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, This little card is available uh, in Guest Central and I think in the back of the sanctuary as well. If you have children, you know somebody has children, I'm telling you this is one of the most strategic resources to disciple your children that I've ever seen in my entire ministry. Um, My wife and I have seen resources that pale in comparison to what we're getting ready to have at our fingertips that have shaped my kids, that affected other kids. We used to invest tremendously in resources to be able to teach the kids the scriptures. Now it's free. It's on your iPhone, your iPad, your computer, and you can download it on Thanksgiving. They expect 3 million downloads on day one and 10 million by the end of the year. Now, here's what's really cool to you, Connect, because of your faithful tithes and offerings, because you're such a giving church, I was able to make a faith commitment in confidence, knowing that when people download um, these stories, one of them we bought, and so when people download, these kids download these stories, they're going to see a story called A Hairy Tale, which by the way, is the story of Samson. Can you imagine somebody buying that story? I did. I bought that story on your behalf. And so when they download that, they're going to see Connect Community Church right underneath that story when the kids go to watch it. It's because um, we want to strategically get the word of God in kids' hands all over the world. Isn't that awesome? And so that's coming up. Please pump it up. Get your cards. Tell everybody about it. Kids World is so excited downstairs. I think I'm going to do a little lesson on Samson downstairs in Kids Church or something like that. And, and, uh, but give this stuff away. Really, really pumped about that. Now, uh, I want you to do me a favor. Will you stand to your feet? Because we have a, a, a pastor who's in our midst who I love with all my heart. He's one of the most important people in my life. I consider him my little brother, uh, my disciple, uh, one of my closest friends in life. And he's your pastor, not just mine. And so would you just give it up for Pastor Deej as he comes to bring the word this morning? Amen? Amen. <laughs> well, good morning. good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning. You guys may be seated. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Deej, I'm one of the pastors here at Connect, and it's, uh, it's really a privilege and, and an honor for me to be sharing with you guys today, uh, and kind of scary to be honest with you, because we're talking about the, thank you, oh, thank you. <laughs> we're talking about the, the principles of finance uh, according to the Bible, and, and to follow, to be the guy speaking after this guy, Pastor Derek, has spoken for four weeks already Uh, on it. It's kind of hard for me. So, um, But I believe that God has something great that He wants to share uh, with us today, and and I'm privileged to actually be used by Him uh, to bring this to you guys. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's uh, uh, just recap a little bit of what we learned over the last four weeks uh, in this series called Economics. So the first week, basically, we had um, uh, Pastor Derek uh, uh, was teaching us about how the church is, the God, is God's plan A for, for the earth. Or for everything to be made right, church is uh, God's plan A. There no, there's no other plan. There's no government. There's no uh, uh, country or United Nations or, or whatever uh, you can think of. There's nothing that can do what the church can do. And, 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 ch- and the church is actually God's plan A. We learned on, on how we should look at our money And how we should steward our money. We know that money can can be used for, I mean, let's see if you guys remember, for need, for what's the second one? Seed. Seed. And the third one? Yes. We can use money towards need, seed, or greed. We can use it to mediate a need in our lives. We can sow it ahead, and we can blow it. We can simply use it for greed. You know, and we also learned that whatever I give, may not be enough to change the world or to make a big impact. Whatever you give may not be enough to make a great impact. But whenever we put together what I give, what you give, what you and you and you give, yes, we can make a great impact for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. All right, the second week we learn about the fact that God wants to be the first in everything. The same way that we are first in his plans, he wants to be first in our plans, in our priorities. He wants to uh, get whatever... um, he wants to be the priority in our lives. You know, uh, we learn about giving for the first fruits and the importance of it, the, and the importance of the two different roles that we should play as givers. We should play the role of a faithful giver, to do it faithfully, but then also we should be faith-filled uh, givers, which is to give for the first fruits. Very often in my life, in my past experience, I, I did this. I'm, I would manage my own money, my own resources, and then at the end of it all, if I had enough, I would cover the tithe I would give to the church. And, and if I didn't, it's okay. I'll catch up next month and so forth. But then that, I was being an owner. I was managing my own stuff. So the difference in mentality is whenever you stop being an owner and start being a steward of everything that God has given you, then you really invite God to be um, in your finances and to be, actually have the steering wheel. God can be in your finances when you give, but he can be like a, like a junior partner, a silent partner. When you manage it, uh, any consequences of that comes to you. Uh, but whenever you give that to God first and you trust him, that's, that's when he takes over. And believe me, he, he's going to come through every single time because he doesn't fail. Amen? Uh, this, the third week, we learned about the three levels of giving. You know, the, the shoulda, coulda, woulda message. You know, what we should do according to the Bible, what we sh- um, could do, which really taps into the sacrificial realm of giving. And then what we would do, which is totally out in the faith zone, what we would do if we could, if we had the resources. In the fourth week, we talked about the condition of your heart uh, when you give, which is really important. Uh, the intentions, the motive behind it. Are we really just giving uh, to get? Or is there something else to it? it is, is money really just a means to an end, just to get uh, church going in and, and do all, the, all of these things? Is it really it? Does it really end here? Now, money is not just a, um, a means we can uh, use, a means to an end, but it actually is a means to be sent, to be sent ahead. So if you want to learn more about the eternal impact and significance of what we do as a church, then I really encourage you to listen to this message. Now, all of these messages are available online, and you can uh, very easily just go into connect.cc, which is our, uh, weconnect.cc is our website and you can listen to all of these messages, download them there, and so forth. Um, amen? Let's pray so we can get started. Uh, Father God, thank you uh, so much, God, for the opportunity I have to be here and to share what you have for us today. God, I really, really need you to, uh, to help me, God, to convey everything that I have in my heart, God, in a way that um, everyone understands. And Lord, I pray, God, that you, may, that you make my words your words, and that, like your word says, Lord, Lord, that your word never comes back void. And I pray, God, that everything that I say here today, Lord, finds dwelling in our hearts and that not only it challenges us to grow, but also makes us um, change, just change our hearts, Lord, and to grow one step closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the secret to receiving, the secret to being blessed. Now first before I start let's take a quick look at this video it's going to pop up on the screen in any moment <laughs>
2: Hi, my name is Eric Moffitt, this is my wife Tracy. We wanted to talk to you today a little bit about what God's done in our life uh, as far as finances and how it's helped us to understand things better as well as teach things even to our children in the areas of being generous, tithing. Um, We, before, I think it was about 2011, we, really struggled with a lot of things financially despite being very blessed uh, in our professional lives and tried to take control of things ourselves um, myself more specifically and solve all of our financial problems and the only thing that taking trying to take control of it ourselves did was make things a great deal worse worse. (laughs) perpetual issues and uh, battles and hurdles arose and We finally got to the point after taking the Financial Peace University class uh, with Brian Jamros and Mike Tomiello to the point where we decided we needed to do something that was not within our control. And we we knew we needed to do certain things. We needed to do very practical things. But instead of doing those things first, we started tithing and just took a step out in faith and did that. And things changed drastically quickly? Yes. Not not right away, um, but very quickly. um, About the three or four month mark, we still noticed that um, things weren't what we had anticipated based on the word in Malachi. And we realized that um, we were doing tithing. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing, but we weren't doing it with the heart. Uh, We were still concerned. We hadn't given it fully to God. And we just played prayed together to be able to do it with a generous heart, um, be a cheerful giver. And pretty much right after that, um, things changed. So soon after that, uh, like Tracy said, we started to see uh, debt fall away, financial opportunities arise. We had uh, literally unsolicited uh, raises at work, opportunities uh, came to us that we hadn't had before. We were able to, we've perpetually been able to pay off numerous debts, that we've never been able to do before and most recently this past year been able to take our kids on a vacation uh, a long-awaited vacation that we've never been able to do for a number of years so we've uh, on top of the blessing to ourselves we've also been able to be generous with other people over the past year uh, which gives you a great deal of peace uh, to be able to just spontaneously be able to bless people um, whether it be walking Literally walking around a church and hearing about someone in need, or uh, being able to help someone go to college, uh, or uh, provide things that they need in their house so that they can uh, live their lives. And that's just a. It's it's not a blessing just to others. It's a blessing again to us. Um, the way that's worked in our lives, and we now have uh, a great deal of peace. We have uh, we've been able to not worry about whether tomorrow we're going to be able to pay the bills or not, or uh, what bill do I have to wait on this month. It's just been a tremendous blessing for us. And we uh, have learned so much from different people within the church as well, um, hearing testimonies of people that have struggled through, through tough times and, and been through more in most, if not all cases, uh, harder times than we've been through and come out on the other side of things uh, much better than Monday on it. No, it's, it's just that. You no, know, the more we, the more we've been able to give above and beyond timing, the more we've been blessed, and it just continues to get better every day.
1: Now, all, all throughout the series, we we've heard and we've seen uh, testimonies about uh, from people that are actually doing a ride and experiencing. Uh, what God has for them, and, and the, pro, the the prosperity that we read in the Bible, that, that that we want to have, the financial peace that we can have from the Bible. So we see this um, uh, with the stories that we've seen in, in this series, but and people that are actually doing it right, they're giving it right, they're giving with their heart, and and just making, it, um, just being blessed, you know. And when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about the full counsel of giving, not necessarily just you know dropping off a drop, dropping out a, a few bucks at the at the connection box in the back. No, but really doing it according to the Bible. You know, people that are tithing, people that are uh, um, tithing from the first fruits, and I mean, they get paid, and the first thing that they do, they actually run to church, even during the week, and they want to get their check in and, and give to God first, even before they buy their first Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Uh, they, but they want to do it right, and, and they are so preoccupied with doing it right. Um, but then, again, they are... Um, experiencing what god has for them because they're doing it right because they're doing it right so i'm talking about these people but then all of us all the rest of us we may be asking ourselves right now but what about me what about me i'm i i feel i'm doing this right i feel i'm tithing i feel i feel i'm uh i'm i'm, bringing, I'm giving from the first fruits i feel i have the right mentality towards money. I feel I'm not the owner of anything. I know that everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God. Everything is disbursed by God. So even the 90%, let's say, that I keep, I know it's not mine. I know I'm supposed to be the steward of it. So even if you're doing um, everything like that and you're still not being blessed, uh, you can't help but ask, why? Why? Why am I not being blessed? Now, before I went into uh, full-time ministry, I was a real estate agent. And as a real estate agent, anytime I, I would get a, a property for sale, I would go and get the documents signed and everything. And then I would get the keys to the property. And there would be the, the, the front door key, the back door key, the basement and shed and the garage and, and so forth. So five, six keys for a single family property. But then every now and then I would get a, a two, three, maybe even four family property. And you can do the math on I mean, how many keys I would have to make copies of. So I would run to... Home Depot and make, make those copies, and then I would run back to the property to make sure they worked. Uh, so whenever somebody was going to show their property, they would be able to get in in every door. Now, although all, all of these keys, they went through the same process to be made, um, some keys, sometimes, they wouldn't work. And I would be frustrated because I had to go back and then redo it and all that because I wanted to make sure that the property could be showed. otherwise it couldn't be sold. So anyways, uh, although the process was the same, some of them were not working some of them were not working and you know how 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 it works um you have a computerized program that kind of laser and then uh it it gets a key as a template and then it makes the the perfect key a perfect copy and I, i would even like put them together and they were the same they were exactly the same but i didn't know why one was working and one was not but you know why after the computer does that, they actually take the key out and they file it down a little bit, right? They file it down a little bit. And then that's, that's what makes a difference. That's what makes a difference in order for it to work. Now, why, why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you this? We are and have been talking about giving and what the Bible says about it. Like I said before, many of us think that we're doing the right thing, but we often find ourselves asking how come I'm not getting the same results as everybody else is. Now, I'm seemingly doing the same thing. Just like the keys went through the same process, though, and one of them didn't work, the same thing we ask ourselves, why is it not working? Now, the question is, is giving, is giving the only key to receiving? Is giving the only ingredient to being successful? Is it, is it the only ingredient to being blessed and to unlock everything that uh, God has for us? Giving is definitely a part of it, but it's not all of it. And this is what I want to convey to you guys today, the second key, the second key that we need to have. Think of a safety deposit box. Whenever you open up a safety deposit box at a bank, normally you do that to store something valuable, whether it's documents or jewels or whatever it is. So you go there, you, you, you do all the documentation needed, and then you get a key. Once you finally get your safety deposit box set up, you get a key. And you go home with that key. And then any time you want to see what you have in that box, you've got to go back to the bank. And then a, a bank employee will go down with you. And then you put your key. They put their key. And you open up the safety deposit box. And then you gain access to everything that is in there. Am I right? So you, got, you need two keys in order for you to get there. And the same, same thing applies to us in our, in our finances in the way we're blessed by God. We, we also have two keys. One, yes, the key is Giving. I mean, We're going to get into it in a little bit. One key is giving. The other key is the condition of your heart. We, you can't separate both. You can't go in, although your key is perfectly fine, if you go into that safety deposit box with your key only, you're not going to be able to open it. You have to have the second key. Amen? All right, take out take your house keys. Just let, Let's move a little bit. Take out your house keys and just, just take a look at it. And if somebody that came with you, they don't have that with them, just let them take a look at your keys for a second. You can notice that they are all very similar. You have the, the the bigger part in the back. That's where you apply a little bit of torque in order for you to lock or unlock any kind of door. And then you have the blade, which is the longer part. And on that blade, you have the different little indentations. We call it teeth. The, the teeth on that key, uh, that actually every single key is different. Although they are very similar when you look at them, they are all different. Because for every key, there's a lock. For every lock, there's a key. Right? So... Uh, But in order for that to work, those teeth, they need to be filed down perfectly. Otherwise, it won't work. We're going to get into the reasoning of it all in a little bit. And the big idea is, uh, for today, is you can't disconnect giving from living. The The same way with the safety deposit box. You have the key of giving, but you have to have the key of living right. You can't disconnect giving from living. You know, the key to have an experience... To have and experience um, abundance in our lives has four little teeth. And I'm going to go over this. Jesus actually left this for us in the Bible. I'm a pastor's son, and I've been, I've been a pastor's son ever since I was born. So I, I actually, I don't, I don't even know how many, but very few services, Sunday morning services, that I've missed my entire life. So I've heard many preachers preach on this, uh, on this passage in the Bible uh, on Luke 6.38. Luke 6, There was even a song, I'm not going to attempt to sing because my voice is a little bit messed up today, but PD can probably sing it. <laughs> you know, give, good measure, press down, shake it together, running over, yeah, something like that. But people, people used to get, just get that uh, um, in isolation, just get that little Bible verse in isolation, not analyzing context, not analyzing even the context of the culture or anything like that, and then teach on that. Teach on that. I heard people preach on that several times. And then at the end, they would even take a big old offering, you know, preach on it, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and then so touch on people's emotions and hopes and dreams, and then take an offering at the end. You know, always with a hidden agenda. Now, in behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ, not necessarily only connect, but in behalf of the church. If you've been exposed to that, like I have in my past, growing up, if you've been exposed to that several times, that even kind of polarized you from, from even, even wanting to have anything to do with giving, you can come and you can enjoy, but you don't want to do anything with that. I just want to apologize for people that can be on stage and can have the, the captive audience like I have right now, and they can misuse uh, uh, the Scriptures for their own benefit. So I, I apologize if you've... If you've Experienced that in the past, but I want to tell you that um, Connect Community Church is not like that, and I'm so proud to say that because it changed my life. When I came to Connect about eight or nine years ago, it changed my life because of this one concept. I mean, everybody knows and, and and hears and and about the primary reason why people don't come to church or they they don't want to be involved in church is because church is after your exactly. So if this is your first time here. And, and now we're talking about money, please don't dismiss me yet. Don't, don't think that, yes, uh, my, my preconceived notion of it all is, uh, is being confirmed right now because all they talk about is money. No, no, it's not like that. Pastor Derek does a phenomenal job teaching about giving and finances and stewardship, and he even says that giving is much, so much more about you than anything else. God is after your heart, not your money. You can't... Exp- you can't impress god with you know you can't like be writing a check hey hey god just look at how this big boy here you know how, how many zeros i'm putting right here no you can't do that you can't impress god with any amount but you can impress him with your heart because that's what he's after he's after your heart not your money but often we forget that luke six thirty eight is actually a continuation of a sentence or a thought that comes from the previous verse verse 37 and it says, do not judge, and you won't be judged. Do not condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, you're going to get it back. That's what it says. This addresses the condition of the heart as we give. Jesus forever makes a, um, a, a link between giving and living. You can't disconnect giving from living. If you want to be blessed, you got to do both right. It's much more than a money matter. He links what's going on up in, here in our hearts with what goes on in our wallet. You know, um, Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth or a tithe, meaning following the, the law and, and doing everything, quote-unquote, doing everything right. You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. This is a New Testament text, words of Jesus Christ himself, as proof that we should tithe. This is not just a law thing. We should tithe. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus tells me if I should do something, that's, that's good enough for me. I don't have to have anything else. Now, he didn't tell us to choose either one, either, you know, be good with people and just follow these little things, you're going to be fine, and you're going to be fully blessed, or don't care about any of this and just give, 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 and you're going to be blessed. No, he tells us to uh, do um, not neglecting to do the former. Do the, the latter without neglecting to do the former. So we should do both. Again, the two keys. The summary of this verse is that many of us are giving right but not all of us are living right. And you can't separate giving from living. If you want to be blessed, if you want to experience God's abundance, free and peace in your finances. Now, you, had, you held your keys and you saw that, in fact, that they're very similar, but they're, but they're different. They're similar, but they're all different. If you hold 5, 10, 15 of them together, they're all different. And God does not have... A single blessing, just waiting for somebody to go and and find it. It's not like a hidden treasure. You know, like whoever gets here first gets it. No, it does not work like that. God has his plans, his dreams, his purpose, everything for me, specifically for me. He has the same thing for you, specifically for you. And then the key, this key that we have, which is is coupled with, again, giving and living. Uh, These two keys, they need to be filed down correctly in order for us to be able to get to that place and actually use that lock. Otherwise, we get to that place and we try and try and try and nothing works. And I venture to say that many of us here can't be in that place right now. We're discouraged. We've tried for so long. We think we did everything right, at least in our eyes, and then nothing happens. We are now blessed. And then all of a sudden we, start, we give up on that portion of, of being a Christian. We give up. Now, these are the four T's on the key to be blessed. The windows of heaven will open whenever we get these four T's filed down just right. Some of us may, may give as a, as a ritual, as like religiously, faithfully. But it doesn't justify not adjusting our attitudes toward these, these things that the Bible said, that talks about, that Jesus himself said. So we've got to continue to file down this key in order to open up the doors that God has every blessing for us. And the first door that this key will actually open is the door to our heart because that's what God is after. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. Now, the Bible says that wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. So, again, God is not interested in any amounts, but but he is interested in your heart. So that's why he tests your heart. To make sure that you, you're giving to him first, to make sure that he is your priority, to make sure that we see him as our provider, not necessarily our own. Now, to look more closely, the first tooth is, "Do not judge." Come on, just say after me: "Do not judge." Now, the definition of judging is to be uh, uh, to, to have a critical thought, or to say a critical word, to form an opinion or evaluation. But you see critical thought. We can judge people without even saying a word. We can judge people based on uh, how they talk, how they walk, what they dress, what they drive, where they live, who they're married with. uh, All of these things, the people that they associate with, many, many, many different things that we can be judging people. And I don't know about about you guys, but I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. And I think that we do this much more than we think or maybe we're willing to admit. Now, Romans 2, 1 says, some of you you accuse others of doing wrong, but there's no excuse for what you do. When you judge others, you condemn yourselves because you are guilty of doing the very same things, the very same things. What happens is that whenever we're so preoccupied and we take our time actually to do this, to analyze everybody else's business, we forget our own. And sometimes we're falling so much uh, uh, behind that we can't even see it anymore. We just get blinded by the obsession of, of looking at something else, of, of dealing with somebody else's problems, and we forget or neglect our own. Jesus is teaching us about four commands followed by uh, uh, promises. You know, it says, Do not judge, and you won't be judged. But if you, the opposite is also true if you judge, you will be judged. And the same thing happens for the next three, um, three commands. Now, I'm the youngest of my house. And uh, we, we are uh, three kids, I'm the youngest one. And I, and I used to hate when I was growing up when my brother and my sister, they would correct me. And they would make fun of things that I was doing. I, I would try to do something that they were doing. But of course, I wasn't necessarily as successful because they were older. They were either stronger or taller. I mean, that's easy. Even today, they're taller. Uh, but <laughs> so I'm not that tall. But uh, anyways, it was easy for them to find things to correct me. And I used to really hate it. And then until finally, my parents would kind of step in, and they would say, hey, Danny. Danny's my, my older brother. Hey, Danny, just, just lay low, man. I got this. I'm the parent. I can, I can handle Deej. You don't have to, to be playing the, the dad right here. I, I got this. Danielle, the same thing. You don't have to be criticizing him. Let me I'll handle him. I'll teach him on how to do things. And, of course, while all of that interaction was going on, I would try to get away. But it never really worked. I mean, I, they always caught up with me in the next five minutes. But you can't blame a man for trying. So, anyways, I always try to get away, but it didn't necessarily work. Now, I think that God often uh, thinks the same, does the same thing with us. Sometimes we are so preoccupied on trying to correct or trying to uh, 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 lay the law to someone that God wants to call our attention to say, hey, Deej, stop, man. I got this. I'm the parent. I'm the parent. You, you don't have to worry about this. I'll correct this issue. I'll, I'll handle this problem. I can handle this person. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You still with me? Yeah. Now, James, James 5.9 says, do not grumble, which is to be critical, to judge. Do not grumble against one another or you will be judged. The Bible is replete with the notion, like Pastor Ernie says, uh, with the consequences of judging. It's really important. And again, I'm telling you all of this because I want you to have this key filed down correctly so when you get to the place where you can actually unlock it, it actually works. Now, the second tooth on this key is do not condemn. When I say do not condemn, to condemn someone, it means to sentence somebody. It means to sen- sentence them. It means that we hope they get what's coming for them. We hope they get what's coming for them. This is worse than judgment. Worse than, worse than judgment. And that happens a lot. I, I'm, again, I'm guilty of this. this I'm, maybe I'm preaching this more to me than anyone else. But I'm guilty of this. You know, Condemning is when we hope somebody suffers the consequences for whatever it is that they're doing or whatever it is that they're doing. This is really bad. Have you ever thought something like this? Like, I hope he gets what's coming to him. Yeah. I, hope, I hope he suffers the consequences. I hope he pays for this. I hope he gets caught so badly. You know, I have. It's, it's pretty bad. You know, when somebody cuts you in traffic or they, they do a wrong U-turn or they, do a, 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 they go through a stop, a stop sign without stopping or a red light or whatever the deal is, you know, for me... I look, still to this day, I look at him like, where are the police officers now? You know, as a, when I was younger, way, last week, no, no, I'm not, I'm not last week, but a long time ago, I used to be very social with police officers. I used to have a lot of interactions with them, let's say. And, um, and, uh, so now today, I don't know, maybe it's fear that I have to get over this, but um, today, whenever I, I feel that whenever I see some, somebody doing something wrong, and I think to myself, if I even think about going through that red light, I'm going to get a ticket. I don't even have to do it. I just have to think, and I'll get a ticket. And then now this buffoon here is doing everything in front of me, and, and nobody is paying attention. You know, he can hurt somebody and so forth. again, condemning people, trying to, trying to like, hopefully there's somebody here that can see and correct this. But that's bad. That's wrong. Now, to go even a little bit deeper, sometimes we, sometimes we even put that in our prayers. Yes, did he go there? Yes, he did. Sometimes we put that in our prayers. Sometimes as we're praying for someone or for some situation or something, either we side with somebody or somebody that has hurt us, sometimes in our prayer we very delicately or gently put it in there like, kind of asking God to really zap that person or does this or do, do, do something about it. But again, just asking and hoping that people get what they deserve. Now let me ask you a question. Are you, are you going to get what's coming to you? John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so the world can be saved through him. The only one that can condemn, the only one that can judge, because he came, he lived a life just like us. He was tempted the same way as as we were, but he never failed. He was blameless and sinless. Is Jesus, and even he didn't do it. He was sent to this world so the world can be saved through him. Here's my point. We were condemned by our own sin to eternal separation from God. God is perfect, and he accepts nothing but perfection. And that didn't change. To this day, he does not accept anything but perfection. But then you can say, so, so you can rule me out. Yeah, you can rule me out too. But, again, the Bible says that through Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. Whenever we accept the payment uh, at, at the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus did, whenever we accept that as payment for all of our sin, past, present, and future, we are made righteous before God. God looks at us as we're perfect. We're justified in Christ, which, which means... That God looks at us just as if we've never sinned, ever. So, yes, we didn't get what we deserve. We got precisely the opposite. We got what we did not deserve, but we got what we needed through Jesus Christ, which is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. You with me? Now, even if I don't voice it or make it known, when I condemn somebody, when you wish that they get what they deserve, According to Jesus, we're going to be condemned because that's what the Bible says. I know this is a tough statement, and I know it hurts, but I got—I got to show you how to use this key. I want to make sure that you're blessed. So from now on, when somebody does something wrong, let's say this. Repeat after me. Let's say this. I hope they get. I hope they get Come on, a little stronger, a little more conviction. I hope they get. I hope they get what, I got from God. what I got from God. I hope they get. I hope they get what I got from God. Amen. And that that is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Now, the third tooth on this key is to forgive. To forgive. Forgive means to release somebody that offended you, to release somebody that has hurt you, or somebody that you loved, has hurt somebody that you loved. Matthew 6 14, 15 says, For if you forgive, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father, will also forgive you. If you forgive people that sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. Now what's amazing and interesting about this is that sometimes we have a hard time believing that. Or maybe we have a hard time giving it the right importance to this verse. Even as Christians. you know, this is really not a salvation issue. This is more of a, um, a being in bondage as a believer issue. Can we be a believer? Can we... Accept Christ as our Savior and still live in bondage? Yes, we can. We can be blinded by the enemy in many, many things. Simply put, to, to be in bondage with somebody, uh, uh, to be in bondage is to be controlled by something, whatever it is. To be blinded by the enemy in things that we do. You know, the Bible says that the enemy came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And, and particularly as we're talking about finances, that happens a lot. He steals from us. But how does it happen? If I have $800 in my account and then all of a sudden I go there and I, and I see $200, is there a, 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 an item that says the devil took $600? No. <laughs> that would be simple. I worked at a bank, by the way, and believe me, many people try to find where the, the money went. But if you, if you get your bank account and you account for every single dollar you spend, you're going to find every penny that you spend. But sometimes when we live in bondage, we don't see it. We have a justification for everything that we do, and we don't see our money just just disappearing. That's how the devil works, in a deceitful way, in a deceitful way. So in other words, we can't experience the abundance and the blessing that God has for us if we don't forgive others, if we don't release others of offenses. One time Jesus tells a story about a guy that used to owe uh, 10,000 talents back then, which if you translate to today's economy, uh, it's, it's about $52 million. So I don't know about you, but $52 million, in that, that scares me a little bit. But So the guy owed $52 million, and the king summoned him to, uh, to, be, um, um, to go into his courts. And then he was asking uh, this guy to pay back, and he didn't have any money to pay back. So the king ordered his officials to put him in jail. You're going, to, you're going to go to jail, you're going to be tortured until you're able to pay this all back. Now, when that was happening, the guy broke down, and he started crying and asking for mercy. And the Bible says that the king showed mercy. The king felt compassion about, uh, uh, towards this guy, and he forgave the debt, $52 million forgiven. I don't know about you guys, but if I, if I went downstairs, I mean, if I, if I left the, the king's palace with $52 million off my shoulders, I would be... Dancing, jumping, singing, hugging people for no reason, people I don't know, I would be so happy. And I believe that the guy was happy w- w- when he left, but he quickly forgot what he received the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that he received. Because the Bible says, it goes on to tell the story that he found another fellow guy, another, another fellow servant that owed him $44. $44 versus $52 million. $44, you get. Five or six Big Macs, $52 million, you, you buy 50 franchises on McDonald's. So you see the difference there? So he finds this guy of that owed him $44, and he starts really giving him a hard time, trying to collect that $44. See how quickly he forgot the mercy that he received? He wasn't extending that to anyone else. Now, that's very significant for how it relates to us. It doesn't matter how big you think that... Um, somebody else's offenses towards you is when, when you look back and see how many offenses you have uh, against God, and God forgave it all. God forgave it all. So let's, let's be forgiving. Now the, the, It goes on to say the master found out about this. So the king found out that the guy was giving uh, um, his other um, fellow servant a hard time for $44. And it says in Matthew 18, 34, it says in the anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then now, again, in our, in our hearts, like a little bit of me wants to say, yes, I mean, he got what he deserved. He was a jerk to this other guy. He just got $52 million uh, wiped away, and he was giving this other guy a hard time for $44. You know, like, well done to the king. But again, Why why am I rejoicing about that? It's it's wrong. Because if you look at verse 35, the next verse says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if you don't forgive. If you don't forgive those that sin against you. Jesus himself said that you will be tortured if we don't forgive. It's cause and effect and a promise. I give you this, but you got to do this. I extend grace, but you got to extend grace. I forgive you. But you've got to forgive. I know this is really not the most popular uh, verse in the Bible, and I know it hurts a little bit, but it's true. We have to live a, a life of forgiveness in order for us to be blessed by God and to be able to file down this tooth on, 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 the, on the key to being blessed. Amen? Now, how can I, how can I be tortured? H- how does that apply? Am I really going to go to jail and people are going to torture me? No. No. No, we live in very different times. But how, how does it really happen? Well, I believe, I believe in demonic spirits. I believe in falling and unseen angels. They can torment us. You know, I believe that we can live in bondage and, and suffer for it. That's, that's what the Bible says about, the uh, Bible uh, means about being tortured, about being tormented. But even if you don't believe in any of that, the Bible says that we're going to be tortured. So whatever version of being tortured that you think, it can't be good. Am I right? <laughs> I, I mean, why why would you want that? It can't be good. It's like it's like the bill collectors. You know, bill collectors that call every single day. Back a few years ago, I made some uh, bad decisions um, that kind of led me to a place where I was receiving phone calls from these uh, people called collectors. And, uh, and I had one specific that would call me three times a day. You know, he would call me more than my wife did. You know, every single morning, I got a good morning call. And then uh, <laughs> during lunch, I would get another call. And then right before bedtime, another call. You know, I almost became friends with the guy, invited him over. So come, come and see, man, I can't pay you. But still, uh, you know, that although it's funny and I laugh about it now, but w- when I was going through it, it, it was tormenting. You know, it was that, that thing like always following me. That's just one of the many ways that we can be tormented if we're not, if we're, if we're giving, but we're not living, right? So you can't disconnect giving from living. Now, my last point is the fourth tooth in this all is, is to give. Give and then receive. So like Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And like I said before, this scripture is often misused. It's often preached wrong. Preachers often abuse this, communicating that God is some kind of a deal maker. You know, like whenever you're going you're gonna to reach for your wallet to give whatever it is the amount that you want to give, it's like God is, hey, come, come over here. come here. If you give this much like open up a jacket, if you give this much right here, you can pick one of these. If you give this much, I'll give you this much back. You know, God does not work like that. God does not work like that. Or, or uh, you know what, if you act now, you get all of this. But if you call within the next 30 minutes, we have du- we're going to double your order. And free shipping and handling. Now, uh, you know, God, does not, God is not an infomercial. God does not work like that. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. Here's what he's saying. If you let me change your heart, if you stop judging, condemning, and if you start to forgive and then you give with the right heart, there's great reward for that. He's simply saying these are the facts of life. If you give and live this way, you can be free from judgment, condemnation, tormenting, and you can be blessed in abundance. Let's stand on our feet as I conclude. Now, if you don't think you're, you're blessed this way, you have to ask yourself, what area of my life is God speaking about? What areas in this key in my living? So I got the giving part right if, you, if you're giving. But I'm still not being blessed. What areas, which one of the teeth or which ones of the teeth in this key, do I need to do some work? Do I, do I need to ask the Holy Spirit to actually file it down a little bit more? He's definitely trying to get your attention today. Now, everybody, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's just give everybody next to you a little bit of privacy. Matthew 10. Verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. And here's what it means. People, people that freely give, people who don't freely give, people who, who feel they can't give, forgiveness, people who can't give grace give, or extend mercy to, towards other people, people who don't give money or whatever it is that, that they hold on to are people who don't believe, they have freely received it all goes back to the beginning of this message and what God did if you don't understand grace what Jesus did for you what Jesus freely gave to you then you don't understand giving if you don't understand mercy then you don't understand forgiving if you feel in any way shape or form you, you 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 feel the need to earn forgiveness from God then you will try to make others earn from forgiveness from you you can't freely extend it because you feel that you never received it that you have to earn it but if you know that you got everything from God free then you're able to freely give and my question to you is what area of your life needs to be filed down by the holy spirit today now, you might be here and you might uh, not even know what the Holy Spirit, bondage, grace, salvation, all of these terms are. Let me quickly explain it to you. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When we accept grace, when we accept the sacrifice at the cross as payment for all of our sin, past, present, and future. And we acknowledge that He is the Son of God who came to this earth, lived among us, sinless, blameless, we are then saved. We are made righteous before God through Jesus Christ. When that happens, we receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We can then live in freedom. We have freedom not to sin. We have freedom to get rid of all the junk that, we're, that we've been carrying around for so long. We have freedom to get out of bondage. Now maybe, maybe you haven't done this before. Maybe you haven't... Uh, surrendered uh, your will, surrender your life to Jesus Christ before. Maybe you've never invited him into your situation. Maybe you're tired today from all the kicking and screaming and, and trying to get by and it and, and, and seems that nothing goes your way. Maybe, maybe you're ready to try something different. Maybe you're ready to admit that you need more. You need something more. Maybe you're trying to pay for your sin. You know that God is perfect and you you want to please him, but you don't know how. So maybe you're trying to fix all of your mistakes by being good, by earning forgiveness from God. Let me tell you, that won't work. It won't work. Because the the mistakes we make, they accrue much faster than how much we can ask for forgiveness. But there is a way for for you to get that all taken care of. There is a way for you to get the $52 million in debt like that guy did, for you to get your debt wiped away before God, which is to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Now, if this is you, if, if you want to give God a shot, if you want to uh, make a decision today to invite Jesus into your heart, I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask your name or anything like that. This is between me, you, and God. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, between me, you, and God. If that's you today, please boldly just raise your hand and look me in the eye. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Amen. All right, church. So let's, let's just pray. pray with me. Just repeat with me. Now, for those of you who lift up your hands, this prayer won't save you. The prayer itself won't save you. But believing in it, as you say it, will. Amen. So just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to my rescue. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for paying all my debt, all my sin. Thank you for giving your life so freely so I can have life with you for eternity. Lord, I invite you into my heart today. And I give up trying to do it on my own. I give up trying to manage my own life. But now I surrender to your will. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and to order everything in my heart. I ask you for strength and for determination to learn and to make you a priority. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's another, a second group of people here today, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I I believe that that applies to probably all of us. I think that all of us, we, we have... We have some work to do, one of these areas, if not all of them, if not all of them. So I just want to pray for, for you guys and for, for me too as well. Amen. Let, let's just pray. F- Father God, thank you, God, for, thank you for your word. Thank you for being so revealing, God, and just giving us, God, the instructions to get to where you want us to be. Thank you, Lord, for, for just giving us, God, the key to being blessed. Lord, I pray, God, that we can have the strength, that we can have, again, the determination, God, to, to not only understand and, and, and look back and see which, which areas of our lives we have to be working on, Lord, but also give us, God, the, the ability, give us the skill, give us um, just the, those you know, the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit on the areas that we need to be working on so we can move one step closer to you, so we can move one step closer to where you want us to be. God, I pray, Lord, that, um, that as we make this, uh, this move, as we uh, f- work on filing down the teeth on, on this key, God, I pray, Lord, that we can see uh, your hand in action. We pray, Lord, for prosperity. We, play, we, we pray for, for blessings for everyone here, t- here today. And I thank you in advance, God, for everything that you're going to do because your uh, word never fails. You never fail. And your promises stand. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.